0: All right, welcome back to the Chasing the Natty podcast, a College Football Fantasy podcast. I'm your host, Xavier. Alongside me is my co-host, Jared. On today's episode, we'll be recapping week three of the college football season and discuss waiver wire winners and losers. So week three has finally ended, and now we are into Sunday night where a lot of big games are happening. But that's either here nor there because we don't care about the NFL. We care about college where the real things happen where the stars are born and made. Like I said earlier in our our introduction, I said we're gonna be doing a recap. So without further ado, I I think we should get in it. But uh, first I would like to uh, introduce my co-host Jared and ask him how he's doing. How are you doing today, Jared, on this lovely Sunday evening with all this hurricane rain that we're getting in Georgia?
1: Uh, I'm doing fine. I'll be honest, I haven't even noticed it's raining outside. Uh, That's how oblivious I am to
0: the outside world. It is terrible. I had to drive on the highway to get back home to do this. And I was like, dear God, I need to turn down every, like, <laughs> turn down the volume of the music and just, like, focus. And I was like, I need to make it home. Yeah, I need no, to it, make it home safely.
1: Yeah. It, Xavier gave me a call. He's like, Jared, I'm literally going to die out here. I can't do the podcast. And I'm like, no, you get your ass in that car and you get back here. Yeah. We'll record this podcast.
0: I had, to, I had to break hearts and be like, sorry, Grandma. Uh, sorry for <laughs> Sunday dinner. I have to go home and record a podcast with uh, my host. So you know, thanks for it, breaking my grandmother's heart. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, she, she knows I leave on Sunday nights anyway, so it was all good. Nah, it's but all good.
1: Uh, anyway. Week three. Like, like you were saying, yeah, week three. Uh, Completely ignored NFL today. Uh, I'll be honest. I have not watched a second of NFL football today. Uh, Boy, Because college, better. This past oh, week. Yeah, absolutely. This this, co- this past week was awesome. It's like, a lot. I This might be one of the best co- seasons of college football. I have seen in so long because this is probably for the first time in several years, things just don't feel chalky. It really does feel like any given Saturdays, anybody could lose to anybody.
0: This is the parody we've been wanting for years.
1: It really has been. And like you said, like there's just been so many good matchups here. We got a lot to get to. I sent Xavier like a list of different things we could talk about tonight. And it was like the first time I was just like, Help me narrow this down because I I can't decide like what we should talk about. There are so many different storylines to talk about. So, like Xavier said, we should probably get into it. So, Xavier, do you want to introduce our first game we're going to talk about here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, we have uh, for our number one overall reaction, we have Alabama survives the swap at Florida, sw- survives in the swap at, uh, against Florida. So, I guess speaking on that game, a lot of people going in. I think Alabama's uh, spread in that game was minus 15 and a half right before kickoff, if I'm not mistaken. It was something wrong those lines. It was, it, it was a little north of two touchdowns. Yeah. So a lot of people were expecting Bryce Young, you know, the Heisman uh, candidate favorite to uh, come out there and start slinging. And he did in the first in the first half. It was up 20 to 1 to 3. It looked good. All things were going Bama's way. Then the second half, Dan Mullen and Emory Jones flipped a switch. And things started to get really dicey. And the defense started to come alive. The rush started getting to Bryce Young. He wasn't getting sex, but he wasn't making those completions to, you know, move the chains and get on down. And I remember, I don't know if I said in the podcast or off the record or they dared up behind, but I was like, I feel like Florida's going to give us the game plan or some type of, like, game plan to go uh, to find a way to stop or slow down Bryce Young. And they kind of gave us that in a light version. They weren't able to do it successfully because they lost uh, by two, uh, two points in the end the problem score was it like 29 to 31 if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Okay. So it ended up that way, but it, it gave us a lot to think about and what to think about Bryce Young and you know and his weaknesses. Cause for the first two weeks we just saw a bunch of strengths and no weaknesses and a lot of people were like well Bama's just being Bama and they're unstoppable. But Florida may have given a lot of teams you know that are you know looking from the outside in to say hey these are the ways that you could possibly slow down Bama and maybe we could Catch him in an upset for a teams like a Ole Miss or maybe even a Georgia, our home school. But uh, yeah, I have to say, I mean, for Bama, Mechie was good, but it didn't have the greatest fantasy day. Bryce Young still had like three or four touchdowns. Uh, the defense was a little bit shaky at times, but uh, it's just it, it just it, I mean, Bama they they got they got like we said earlier they got they were able to uh, get away with the win against the Swamp, but it wasn't as convincing as a lot of people thought I'll let Jared speak a little bit more from the Florida side and a little bit more of his thoughts on that game. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it, I have, I have so many, I have a lot of thoughts about this game. Yeah. First of all, like, I think I, I turned off this game when the score was 21 to three. Cause I was just like, okay, like I, I know where this is going. Like bam, bam is going to roll here, which is fine. I'm, I'm always down for watching Gator getting their butt kicked, but I was like, you know, I got other games to watch. I'm just going to go turn on something else. And lo and behold, I, I leave I leave for so I for those of you who don't know, um, I did go to the UGA South Carolina game because uh, I had tickets to that. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go have a good time. And so I leave for the South Carolina game and it's like twenty one nine. And I'm like, OK, Florida scores a touchdown. That's fine. Bam, Bam, will, Bam will get back into it later. I get to the stadium and I get in there, and it's like twenty eight to tw- it's like twenty eight to twenty three, and I'm like, "What is going on, Bama? Like, what are you doing here?" And so I went back, watched the game, like full, like kind of broke it down for myself and everything. And there's so many different ways you can look at this game, and frankly, there's truth in every way you can look at it. A lot of people will tell you that this is a sloppy game by Bama. There's truth in that. A lot of people will tell you this is a great game by Florida. Yeah, there's a lo- there's a lot of truth in that. Execution was insane for Florida in the second half. Just watching some of these plays, like you just just them getting these plays off and managing to find like Emory Jones again. I can't believe the words are coming out of my mouth as a dog fan, but just like you got to credit Florida on a lot of those plays, especially in the second half, where like you they just found ways to make plays work. And that's what kept them in that game the entire time, especially on defense. Um, they were able to get after Bryce Young, like Xavier was alluding to and everything. It and was able to slow Bama down just enough. Um, you know, like is it, it again? I a lot of people were kind of questioning about like, was should Bama have dropped because of this game? Should Florida have risen because of this game and everything? I think they're both fine where they're at. Uh, in like the rankings and everything, like a people and everything like Florida, maybe bump up just a little bit. Cause again, I think we saw the ceiling of Florida in that game. When you see them firing on all cylinders, they're absolutely a team that could take down any team in the country. And they have the potential for that. So kudos to the Gators on that. Again, that feels like vomit coming out of my mouth as a Georgia fan saying that, but even still, um, but again, uh Bama again, just kind of a sloppy game on some plays. Um, their defense looked off throughout most of that game. There were just times where the middle of the field, not five, ten yards down the field, was just wide open, and it was just an easy pitch and pass for Emory Jones every single time. And I'm just sitting there like, I feel like Bama doesn't leave gaps like that open on purpose. But even still, again, I think this is the culmination of what Saban's been talking about for the past two weeks, where He's been saying this team isn't there yet. This team isn't where I want it to be. And everybody's like, really? We just saw them stomp Miami. We just saw them stomp Mercer. Again, Mercer, not exactly anything, but like Miami is still that marquee win. And everybody's like, "They, they look unbeatable. Saban, once again, proven right. Again, Bama may have stomped Miami. Guess who also just stomped Miami? Michigan State. I don't think we're ready to say that Michigan State's ready to stomp on a Bama or, any, or to keep up with Bama or anything like that. So, yeah. you know, so just a close game, a lot closer than I thought it was, especially after that first quarter. I was very surprised to see Florida really stick in it, and they just grinded their way back towards a very sh- solid chance to win this game. So,
0: yeah. yeah. All without Anthony Richardson as well, too. He never mm-hmm. uh, played snap in that game. And the funny thing was, it was always because of the hamstring injury. But then I went back to some tweets where he, uh, before the game, he was doing bat flips. So I don't know how much Dan Mullen was leading on with that, saying ah he's not fully healthy. And I was like, your player's doing bat flips before in that game. I think he's ready to go at any point at the time of the game. But I will like to shout out. I didn't hear that. Yeah, for like 15 seconds, I'll I'll just give credit to where credit is due. I think what the key was for Florida is that 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 uh, they kept Alabama's defense on their toes with Emory Jones as the option of like you know being able to run or pitch it to the other back would just kept Bama just, you know, second guessing themselves. You see uh, Emory Jones either try to take off for a run, but have his running back stay right, really close by him, to where it looked like he may go for the pitch and fake it, pull it back, and then, you know, run for a five- or six-yard game. So those are the little things that, you know, Florida was connecting on that. It it kind of, you know, showed their identity a little bit of, like, this is the team that we are. Like uh, Jared said, we saw their ceiling. That is who Mm. Florida's going to be. Now, I don't think, you know, like you said, in terms of their ranking – I think they're perfectly fine where they are. It's just, the, you know, I I do think they're one of the better teams in the nation, but out of the rankings, I can't move anybody because of all the parity that's happened so far. We have to let the season progress, and then I can have an accurate adjustment to where they should be towards the end of the year. No, again, I think that's entirely fair. All right, I guess we should go ahead and move on to
1: the next game here, and that was number three, Oklahoma. I think they were number four last year. No, they were number three uh, no, last week So They were
0: number three, but they're number uh,
1: four this week. Uh, they struggled at home against Nebraska. Now, Nebraska is not a good football team by any no. stretch of the imagination. So, obviously, this is a legitimate struggle win for Oklahoma, and it's probably the second one of the season with them escaping Tulane in their first game of the season. So, it's got a lot of people wondering now, like, is Oklahoma – Truly a contender for this year. Like, there was a lot of hype coming in for Oklahoma this year. Like, there's a lot of people who are kind of pointing, like, if there are two teams that everybody was talking about, like, oh, this is their year. It's Georgia and Oklahoma. Georgia's done their business. Oklahoma really hasn't so far. Now they've won all three of their games, don't get me wrong. But even still, so, they don't look impressive doing it. And I'm like, I'll be honest, this is a hard team to figure out because, like, I watched, I watched this game. I, I had this game on my laptop and I was probably watching this one out of the new ones a little bit more than a lot of the other ones I was kind of trying to pay attention to. Cause I was just so curious, like what was going on here and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me outside of the fact that just Oklahoma's offense stalls at the weirdest times. And it's like, they'll get down a good, decent amount of the field. But then all of a sudden they, they stall right at the point where they can't kick a field goal. Cause it'd be too far. But then – but then, and then they're forced to punt, even though they've made it a decent way down the field. And so it's like it looks like they're doing well like when you're watching them and everything. But then you realize like three or four drives later, you're just like – they've scored like one touchdown or like one field goal in like the last three drives, but it doesn't feel like it. I don't know, Xavier, do you see anything here that kind of pointed at it?
0: Yeah, I, I'll say this. I think Oklahoma's youth is finally showing. To where we have we, we always hear about Lincoln Riley's class of oh he's got this five star receiver with this five star quarterback coming in. And that's been an only in like not to say a recent memory, but like now we're getting a lot of the bigger names like a Mario Williams and Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, and even down the line of uh, next year's recruiting class, he has the five-star and I think that's the number one quarterback and another five-star receiver coming in. Mm-hmm. And these guys have not played in these environments at all yet. Mm-hmm. And now uh, you're playing bigger games, a lot of expectations are put on top of you. And you don't look the part. You don't have anybody to, not to say bail you out, but you've lost a lot of talent. And then, uh, especially on the offensive end, he's supposed the ball. You don't have the same old line. Spencer is not as hyped up as we thought he was going to be. Coming out of high school, making all these crazy throws and having the player comp of Patrick Mahomes. I just don't see it. And there's times in that games where I thought, hey, maybe you should put Caleb Williams in. I was like, I, I mean, just to, you know, throw a different look out there and see, is this guy going to, you know, is is my ceiling just winning the uh, big 12 or is the other guy going to you know possibly win me a national championship now mm-hmm. I think these guys are st- uh, still pretty young and like Spencer Rattler is obviously draft eligible this year but still a very raw product and you know there's times where I'm just like shaking my head I'm like you don't look like the first round QB that I was kind of uh, expecting you to be going into the season and there's no disrespect to the receivers either where there are a lot of talented receivers that could start anywhere in the country but it just doesn't seem like what Jaden Hassel was. He was a number one receiver about two or three years ago, coming out of Georgia, and he's coming off an injury as well too. But he doesn't look as the same anymore. Can't uh, provide separation, has to rely uh, on his athleticism. So it it just comes down to those type of plays. And then your the running back room is just uh, very confusing at times. Of like you want you lean on Eric Gray then you lean on Kennedy Brooks, and then uh, you try to get Eric Gray uh, Eric Gray incorporated in the passing offense. But then sometimes you throw Kennedy Brooks out there in the, uh, uh for your Downhill, the the run downhill, and I mean that's great to have two good backs, but if neither of them are going to be consistent, and and both of them are not consistent at the same time, then it's just going to cause for you to struggle against uh, other teams, especially like a Nebraska, where yeah, I I mean Nebraska's still bad, but I mean I I knew Nebraska was going to you know be able to put up points against you know lesser competition with Adrian Martinez and his leg and his legs, but I didn't expect him to do that against Oklahoma. The number three team in the nation so it was just it's very confusing at times and yeah for them to be rated number three I think going into the season they were rated number two uh mm-hmm. in the preseason polls and yeah it just didn't look like that so I expect I, you know what down the line I wouldn't be surprised if there was actually an upset at, uh against uh, Oklahoma this year whether it's Iowa State I, I, I'm not gonna say Texas because they still have a lot of work to do but if another team can catch them like on an off day, maybe like a TC or somebody like that, things could TTC spell really big adoption Yeah, so uh, things could uh, spell for big trouble for in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, coming down down the line. So it'll be interesting to see, but uh, hopefully they'll you know win out, make uh, win the Big Twelve, and make it to the playoffs, and we'll see what they truly are. But for now, yeah, I'm not seeing it.
1: I'm looking at the stats real quick, and I, like we'll move on to the next game here real quick. But one thing I just that, that's boggling me. Do you know what the longest pass in this game was?
0: Ooh, uh man, I feel like it was probably the Jaden Housewood, but I don't know for how much. Probably for like fifteen or twenty something yards.
1: Well, it's twenty. It it was for twenty three yards. It was to Marvin Mims, but still. But even still, like the lack of deep passes in this game is striking to me. Do you know yeah, what? Do you know what Rattler's average um, yards per attempt was this game?
0: Uh, if I had to guess, it'd probably be like. Four or five, six,
1: but even six of, still, like yeah. you want your QB averaging like eight, nine, yeah, for a ten. Like, like the, I don't know if it's that Riley doesn't trust Rattler, or maybe like there was something specific about Nebraska that I just wasn't seeing that just forced them to have a short passing game situation for this game. But again, there, there's a lot of questions in Oklahoma right now, and I'd like to have them answered within these next couple of weeks. Uh, We'll go ahead and move on to the next game. Uh, From one struggle bus to another, Clemson struggling against Georgia Tech. Final score of 14 to 8. Yeah, pretty much a lot of the same things here that really we said about Oklahoma and everything. But Clemson, we've known that there's some offensive struggles kind of going on. They really showed it in this game. Uh wasn't even until the fourth quarter that they decided to run DJ a little bit, and that kind of opened things up a little bit for them to manage to get a second score on the board. Cause good lord, it was like seven to three for so long in this game.
0: Yeah. So, they have the delay though. They had the they had the rain and lightning delay. So that's why things that's got fair, but up. that
1: is an excuse you still being seven to three at like oh no, now going into halftime. Attack.
0: Yeah, no, not against Georgia Tech. That that was very confusing to me as well. It, and it's so crazy that they had DJ make twenty-five attempts, and he only had around about like what was it, a hundred and at twenty-six yards passing. That, that that just does that doesn't sound like winning football for a quarterback. A quarterback's making eighteen completions at a power five program. I'm expecting to get like you know, one fifty to two hundred, maybe even two hundred plus. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for the old Clemson offensive, like, you know, a year ago with Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is making 25 uh, attempts. Trevor Lawrence is still getting about 200 to 300 yards off of big plays. Now, I know they don't have a Mario Rogers anymore. They don't have the old of, like, you know, a Mike Williams or a Hunter Renfro or just great receivers they have. But you still have John, Justin Ross, you have Joseph Vingada. You have all these young receivers. I mean, even though I think EJ Williams is currently hurt. You still have Fred Lassen, a Joe Joe and a lot of great other guys that you recruited. And now I'm just questioning of, like, is Debo really, like, developing these receivers in Elliot? Are they really bringing these guys up, or is it just so I'll talent?
1: T- I'll tell you what the problem is here, Xavier, with the Clemson receiving core. And that's if you line them all up next to each other. You could take a cardboard cutout of one, place it in front of the other, and they would disappear completely. Because you know why? They're all the exact same same thing they're all 6'2 they're all about yeah. 190 200 pounds none of them bring a different skill set you so you're just planning for the same type of receiver over and over again i think that's finally catching up with clemson a little bit they don't have a guy like jameson williams on their roster they don't have a guy like uh ad mitchell they don't have a guy like uh or like if you just want to go back to bama and everything when back when they had rugs judy waddle and Devonte, like those are four yeah. different guys with four different skill sets skill sets that you had in, to account agree. for in that game clemson doesn't have that even clemson the past couple of years had something better than that because amari rogers kind of gave you that speed option last year
0: yeah
1: um cornell Powell is your big top ta- uh big tall possession receiver mm-hmm. the, the the rest of these guys are just again it's it's one game plan really to fall for and again like with Oklahoma, they refuse to push the ball down the field. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact, again, that you to have, you don't have guys that can separate. You don't have guys that can burn and take the top off of defenses. So you're forcing DJ to to pass. Like I, Again, I think one of my friends was joking because he has DJ and, and uh, CFF. And he was like, I can't deal with a quarterback that refuses to throw the ball more than six feet. Yards down the field, and I'm like, yeah, like, and it's so weird because again, last year they let DJ let it fly during the Notre Dame and uh, Boston uh, Boston College game. But again, I think a lot of it has to do with their their receiver core. Not that they're all bad receivers or anything like that, but again, when you don't have a plethora of options in terms of skill sets and everything, the defense can just focus on shutting down one kind of receiver that's going to spell big trouble for your offense.
0: Now, I will say this. I think I will, I will give a bright spot to Clemson because I think they've been missing this for a while, and I think they finally identified their guy. Okay, I'm a big guy about establishing the run. I think establishing the run gets your offense going, and then you can uh, provide more things and you know, open the playbook up a little bit more when you have that legitimate threat. They've had it over the past three or four years with Travis SDN. Now he's gone. They've been looking for that next guy. They've tried out Kobe Pace, lin J Dixon, and the freshman Will Shipley. And a lot of people, you know, all, they kind of heard throughout camp it was Kobe Pace. lin J was going to probably be second. He probably wasn't getting those reps. And Will Shipley was talented, but he was a freshman. So never could really understand what you're going to get out of Will you just yet. But this game kind of proved that Will Shipley is probably going to be that guy going forward for the rest of the year. He got 20 carries, only 88 yards, but two touchdowns. And I feel like he's versatile as well, too. can catch out of the backfield. He provides different options, can put him in the slide as well. So I think with that going forward, and if they can control the pace of their game and then get back to that Clemson tempo that they're used to, I think that could spell well for DJ and that offense going forward, even though I don't really like their receivers, like you said, for the reasons that you gave. Maybe one of them can break out. Maybe Justin Ross can go back to old form of, like, 2019. So – one could hope, mm-hmm. but I think that is a bright spot to you know look forward to in the future. Mm-hmm. Like you know, as long as they get their pacing and their tempo back right, maybe the playbook will open back up. and Maybe DJ can go through his progressions and you know take those chances downfield. But for now, it just looks terrible.
1: No, I agree. I, I agree pretty much. I um, I'd say probably. Probably ninety nine percent. I'm sure if I listen to you again, I'd find something wrong you
0: said. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's anyway. okay. I'll, I'll come back you know, like in a, <laughs> two days and be like, Jared, I remember saying this, and then it'll happen on like on Saturday. And I was like, I was right, I was right. And no, I'm, but you I'm also, you,
1: you the also play the game where you're where uh, you're just like, see, I said this. I'm like, no, you actually said the direct opposite on the, and you're just can like, I, what? No, I didn't. I'm like, Xavier, we have a show now. I can, I can, I can roll back the tape.
0: You can, you can, you can. But that's great because <laughs> it puts accountability on me. Because when I am, when I do remember things, and you also remember me remembering things, I'm just like, all right, I was affirmed in what I believed in. So that's it's that's true.
1: Good. That is very, very true. Anyway, we'll, we'll try to hit some of these other ones real quick. Um, yeah. Honestly, I so, don't. Th- so Cincinnati beats Indiana. I had sent out a tweet before the game. Started where a lot of people were saying that like this game lost a lot of the luster from preseason because Indiana used to be a top twenty-five team, Cincinnati's still a top ten team and everything, but even still, Indiana uh, not looking as good, um, kind of lo- made the game lose its luster. And I sent out a tweet. I was like, or actually, no, it was on my um, watch plan that I sent out, and I was like, don't tell in, don't tell the Hoosiers and don't tell the Bearcats that because this game is every bit of important every bit as important as it was before the season and they both teams played like it this was one of the best games of the weekend tons of back and forth lots of turnovers lots of plays made on both sides of the ball and special teams in this game I thought this was a great game and frankly Cincinnati congratulations for just toughing it out and pulling away on a big one so Xavier what are your thoughts on this game
0: yeah, I didn't get to watch too much of this game. I think I was watching another game at the time. I think, what was this, a, a 2.30 game or a 3.00 this game? Is a, this
1: is a noon game.
0: That was a noon game. So, yeah, I was probably watching the Michigan State and um, uh, uh, Miami game. So, I didn't have mm-hmm. multicast like Jared. I used to, but I was uh, somewhere else. The t- t- moments I was let me just focus on the one game that I really wanted to see. But I kept on getting updates on my phone, and it just looked like in that first half, Desmond Ritter and that Cincinnati offense was struggling. Jerome Ford was doing great. I'm happy to see that Jerome Ford, you know, Chester from Alabama, finally waited his time after, um, God, who was the the back before him last year? Uh, um, Dokes. Dokes. Jared, uh, Jared Dokes. Um, so I'm happy to see Ford being the next man up in that running back. Uh, but I was just not inspired by Ritter and uh, the wide receivers in Wiley as well, too. I'm like, wow. I didn't know Cincinnati could be shut down like this for an entire half. Like, you know, in that Georgia game at the end of the year, I was like, y'all kept us on our toes all four quarters. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, uh, maybe you lost some talent. Maybe there's some things changed. You know, coordinators moved around. But you still kept your head coach in OC. So I was like, all right, what's, go- what's going on? Because I kept seeing Michael Penix and Ty Fogle like first half, just kept hitting. And I was like, oh, man, is this Indiana that everybody's been talking about in the offseason? Like, healthy Penix, Fogel this number one receiver for him. But then the second half came around, they got back into a rhythm, and then, as Jared alluded to before on the show, or uh, off the record uh, before we were talking before, that it was you know, a, a flip just switched, and Cincinnati just had everything going their way. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, is a top-10 team for a reason. I did, you know, kind of have hopes for them being a top-four team towards the end of the year. Now, I think if they – I know they have Notre I believe they have Notre Dame down the line. They if do. They can get, if they can beat Notre Dame, then I could can, I can have a more, uh you know, uh, a legitimate argument. But for now, I'm just like, yeah, you're about right where you are. I think they're like nine or eight or something like that. I so, believe they're eight. Yeah. So I think they're appropriately rated, and I'm fine with them being there. And they uh, they showed a good game against a quality program, even though India is not ranked at the time. You know, some teams, you know, uh, they're still good teams, and they're just not top 25. So mm-hmm. Cincinnati had a good win. Oh, excuse me. Cincinnati had a good win.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, complete. Oops, that was a little bit of an ad play. That's all right. Anyway, um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here, and that is Ohio State or Tulsa at Ohio State, and just another another team that struggled. Um, again, I uh, don't believe the final score on this one. I believe it's like what forty-one twenty. Um, Ohio State struggled in this game mightily. Uh, this, yeah, was one, this was a one. Three quarters. This is a one-score game in the third quarter, and it wasn't until uh, Travion Henderson turned on his five-star god powers mm-hmm. in the second half of this game to where Ohio State could really, really pull away in this game. But man, what was up with just a lot of teams struggling this week? Like, it's, no, like I, who are supposed to be like top contenders? What? What was yeah. it?
0: I, I, I really don't know, but I will say this. It was it was really – I felt really bad because in a couple of leagues um, – well, in, in our home league, I had – we were going against our fr- – I was going against our good buddy John, and he had Chris Olave, and he had a big, fat zero next to his name for two quarters. And I was kind of concerned because we got that rule about, hey, if a player is hurt or injured and we don't know about it, then you could just uh, – the commissioner can sub him in. Mm-hmm. But then I find out that Chris Olave has been in the game. He hasn't been – he's been targeted or he, had, he wasn't getting targeted for, like, the first quarter and just for a lo- really long time, and then he just wasn't making the catches. And you – I was like, Ohio State took away probably one of their greatest, like, you know, strengths of getting Chris Olave the ball. And you – this is the reason why you struggle. You didn't let your playmakers do what they needed to do early. Now, well, I it doesn't help it. that, again, Shroud was having a terrible day. Oh, no, he was having a terrible day. I don't understand where, like – I know last week the Oregon loss was tough. But you're going against Tulsa. This is supposed to be a bounce-back game. Like Tulsa's still a good. Well, okay, they did lose uh, early in the AAC to that. Uh, God, who they lose to? Um, they lost to that unranked team that wasn't that good and took them out of the uh, contention for uh, their conference. But neither here nor there. But Tulsa, I thought was a good team going into the year, and I guess they kind of showed that their defense is still there. But at the same time, you're Ohio State. You're this coveted program of having. Oh, we have the best five-star receivers. We're basically almost wide receiver you, us in Alabama and LSU, if you want to pick your uh, school, whichever one you want to claim, and uh, 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 choose your claim to prominence and whoever has that uh, title. But the fact that you're struggling against a Tulsa team that's in uh, that's not in a Power 5 conference and you can't spread the ball around to all these playmakers that you have is just very concerning going uh, later on to the year. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very – It's going to be very concerning going against uh, uh, some of this Big Ten competition they have coming. Now it looks like some of these Big Ten uh, teams are kind of moving on uh, with some steam. Penn State got a big win over Auburn. Uh, Wisconsin still looks good. Minnesota, even though they lost the first game, if they meet them down the line, Iowa's a great defensive team. So you have a lot of stiff competition. You're going to have to rise to the occasion. Tulsa can't be that team that you're struggling against because if you're struggling against Tulsa, imagine going against Iowa in November.
1: I mean, you're 100% right. And again, I think the, the big name we really need to focus on here with this ga- with this game is Mr. Travion Henderson. Ran absolutely wild oh, in this yeah. game. Well over 200 yards. I believe he's... Was it 270? I think it
0: hit like yeah, he? it was like 277. Yep, 277 and three touchdowns on 24 carries. Dude absolutely destroyed
1: Tulsa once he was out. Once he was like handed the rock, I'm not sure what happened to Myan Williams in this game. I'll be real. I, I need to do some more research into why he didn't get a single carry in this game. Yeah, no reports have weird. come out.
0: Yeah, no reports have come out just yet. I don't, I've been looking for a little bit, but I'll check on later tonight and tomorrow. But, uh, We'll see going forward for the, for the future. A lot of people are happy that Trevion got this opportunity and maybe look like going forward he's going to be RB1 and Yo, there's no and other classification.
1: I, I couldn't put Travion Henderson in our list of uh, waiver wires for this week because he's owned by too many people already. But, y'all, he should be 100% by the end of this week. There's no reason not to at least stash Travion at this point. Yeah. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here. That is the whiteout Penn state Beats Auburn 28-20. to 20. Xavier, I heard a little bit of grumble there because he called this game wrong. I called it right. That's it. We're moving on to the next game.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Let's do. Yeah. um, I didn't get to watch too much of the whiteout because as a Georgia fan, uh, I was watching the georgia South Carolina game. I know it's not a big game for everybody else in the country, but I know Jared was at the game. I was watching the game. I was excited. Things were... Things are happening, but I kept tuning in and out of the whiteout. And Tanks Bigsby did what I I predicted him to do. I thought, you know, he was the, the most prolific uh athlete on that field at the time. And he, he showed it. Mm-hmm. But it was just terrible. Just on the I, I thought the Auburn defense is gonna do a little bit better. You did hold Penn State to like what it what was it, 21 points, 27 points. It was, it was a really close game. I forgot the scrolls yeah, like twenty one to twenty. They held them to twenty eight. 28. So, I mean, you held him to 28, which I mean, holding a team to 28 still doesn't sound great, but uh, I was like, I guess a Penn State team top 10 program that uh, I guess that's, uh, deserves some type of credit. And that's why Auburn is still ranked in the AP poll. But it just did not look good from like you let Sean Clifford make a lot too many throws that I was just like, Sean Clifford is an interesting up or down quarterback to where. He can make some really good throws, and he can make some really boneheaded throws to where you're just questioning, like, why are you on the football field? Mm-hmm. So he hit Jahan Dotson for two touchdowns. Um, Noah Kane got some rushing touchdowns, which I did think that Noah Kane wasn't going to be a big factor. And he got a goal line carry, which kind of got him a touchdown, but he did, like, uh, tilt the rock for, like, I think it was maybe 20 times. He only got 46 yards or maybe 12 times. It was something like around, along those lines. He had the ball a lot, couldn't run against that arm in front. And I just kind of thought I feel was a like you're going to say that
1: about a lot of uh, running backs against Auburn's front this year.
0: Maybe. Uh, if Auburn's front continues to show that, then I'll give Nolan Kane a little bit more credit. But until for now, I'm just going to say, hey, he couldn't do it against Ball State. He couldn't do it against Auburn. Maybe, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, if Journey Brown never got injured, Penn State wouldn't be having these problems. Good So, be.
1: Xavier, I'm going to play a little thought exercise with you here because I just want to see if like we'll play a game like are you smarter than an auburn head coach oh yeah so you got three minutes left yep you are down a touchdown Mm -hmm. you are at the two-yard line yes it is fourth down fourth and goal yes you are auburn
0: yes what do you do uh go line fade
1: (laughs) (laughs) and you hear it here folks uh, Xavier is just as dumb as the Auburn head coach.
0: Yes, you told me to think. You said, hey, if I, I – well, I first inter- interpreted the question as like, yeah, put your mind in the Auburn head coach. And I was like, wait, that's the wrong game. You said, am I smarter than the Auburn head coach? Never mind. Let's take the obvious answer of like, you know, what the Seattle Seahawks should have done in that Super Bowl against the Patriots in, what was that, 2016, where if you have a prolific running back that his name – you have Beast Mode and you have a guy named Tank Bigsby. Why on God's green earth would you not run the ball? Why is not? Two trust yards him? Away? I just don't understand. Like what did you want to get cute with your plate Kong? Did you want to catch the defense by surprise? It was not even, gonna happen. Like
1: the throw wasn't even a good throw oh, either. No. It's like Bo it was Nicks.
0: it was not it's like Bo Nix.
1: I I don't understand the whole like, yeah, let's not trust Tank Bigsby. Let's 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 trust Bo Nix. Yeah, I mean. I'm Again, I'm so blown away by that. We'll go ahead and move on That's, to the next game. Unless you got anything more you want to say here?
0: No, not any, uh,
1: nothing to say. All righty, cool. So this was one that like, I was playing around with the idea that this could be an upset. And I'm like, this had upset written all over it. And it happened. I didn't call it because I just had a gut feeling that UCLA would still pull out the win. But Fresno State does upset ucla in a wild wild game after dark my god if you, if you haven't gone and watched the last five minutes of this game it is some of the craziest craziest back and forth i've seen in a long time uh I, at least since the ucf at louisville game from this past friday oh yeah
0: that was a crazy
1: game. that that was a great game as well there, there's a there's a couple game of the year candidates from this weekend there are some really really good ones but even still yeah uh Fresno, I think, really has solidified themselves as a legitimate uh top 25 team, if not better than that, because they push Oregon, almost upset them. They do go in and upset UCLA. Um I think again, at Fresno State, I really like their offense and I really like what they can do. And honestly. With how Nevada's looking and everything, I'm kicking
0: myself for probably not picking Fresno State to win the Mountain West this year. Yeah, same here. Um, I didn't get to watch this game because we live on the East Coast, and I enjoy sleep. So um, there was a lot of, of, you know, that game being like at 12 a.m., and I was like, all right, yeah, I can step a little bit, and then I immediately crashed. I wake up in the morning, and I find out UCLA has been upset, and I'm not going to lie, I was completely shocked. I didn't, you know, have that uh, premonition that Jared had of uh, upset being a possibility because I liked what UCLA showed them their first two games or their first three weeks because uh, they had a week zero, and I was like, yeah, UCLA is an upcoming program. I would like to see them down the line and go against Oregon for the Pac-12 championship, and now I just don't even know who is going to be there for the uh, uh, um, representing the Pac-12 South. It's going to be very interesting. It still can be UCLA, but I just did not expect Fresno. Like I do like Fresno State's offense. I love Ronnie Rivers. I love Jalen Cropper, uh, Jack, uh, Jake Heiner. Uh, Jared uh, enlightened me about these uh, – Fresno State early on in the year, and I was like, all right, I'll watch uh, their first Week 0 game against UConn. Now, it was against UConn, but I found some things I did like that can translate into bigger games, and apparently it did against UCLA. It completely stopped Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown. I did not think that was possible for a group of five teams. So I was like, congratulations. And Dorian mm-hmm. Thompson-Robinson – I mean, he did have three touchdowns, but 14 for 24. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, you know, coming into the year, we were expecting DTR, you know, to do DTR things and maybe be a little bit improved under Chip Kelly for his, like, third or fourth year. But it still looks like he's still, a, you know, wide-eyed freshman doing a lot of the same things, trying to play hero ball, mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to use his legs, make plays, and trying to find windows and, you know, lead comebacks. And sometimes the better team just gets you. Mm-hmm. And I have to give all credit to uh, Fresno State. Uh, they played a great game. Ronnie Rivers had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Cropper showed why hey, he's a good receiver. Even Josh Kelly had a 120-yard game. So UCLA's, UCLA's defense was completely exposed. I, I'm surprised um, you know, usually in the past, the Pac-12 defense, I would just be like, yeah, the Pac-12 defense, anybody's going to score. It's just a matter of, are you going to be able to come back and score more points than them? And this game was kind of a shootout towards the end, but it just didn't have enough firepower and you let two guys have over a hundred yards. So there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about that. So I, I give all praise to Fresno state and what they did with that offense.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm joining the cult of Jake Heiner believers now. Cause this man was, this man led the final, like two or three drives for Fresno state hurt. Like, like, wh- like I said, watch the last five minutes of this game. You can see, Jake Heiner, like grabbing at his side the entire last like five minutes of this game, and he still was able to put together these drives to lead Fresno State to victory in this game. Like, really, go watch this game. There's so many great games from this weekend. This one probably was one of my favorite endings.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here. Oh. This is one that Xavier and I called. Um,
0: yes.
1: because everything just felt like it was going this way. Now, I think we predicted Michigan State to win this. I don't think we predicted them to absolutely destroy Miami.
0: I think I did it uh, internally, but I don't think we said it way out So internally, I believed. I believed all season coming in, but this is the game I watched from the beginning of the first quarter to the very end at triple zeros. Ah, oh, man, Michigan State with Mel Tucker and uh, their their honestly miraculous campaign. Hearing the commentators talk about how Michigan State put this program back together, uh, Mel Tucker put this program back together through the transfer portal, it's just amazing. I did not, like, you know, I did not know uh, coming into this game how many transfers that Mel Tucker had brought out of the transfer portal to put on this offense and put together for the season, and that he's having this success now. Like, obviously, the big name of Kenneth Walker, you have Thorne as well at QB. But mm-hmm. it's just a lot more down the line of the defensive side and the O line and some other players out as well too. And I'm just for having the season that he's having, the game plan he's had is just, just ah man, I can't even describe the word to the praise to give to Mel Tucker for the genius that he has, and finally having the opportunity to show that he's you know a great coach in the college, in the college football landscape, just giving the right opportunity and chances. And I look forward mm-hmm. to seeing Michigan State in the future with him at the helm because I know a lot of these recruits are looking at him now like. Hey, this is an interesting program. I mean, now you have to compete with Michigan because they're looking good as well, too. But Michigan State can be put back on that map to where, you know, uh, they were looking back at a lot of games where, you know, Saban upset some teams in the past at Michigan State. Now Mel Tucker has gone 3 0 against some upset uh, teams he wasn't favored against. So I'm not saying Mel Tucker is Nick Saban, but I'm saying you're getting that kind of feel where Michigan State fans are actually, you know, coming out of the shadows and are happy to enjoy football now. Like you're not just a basketball school, you can actually have pride and your football team, but now let's get to the football side. Kenneth Walker, I, I know a lot of people may be surprised about this, but I don't I don't know if I've, like, uh, you know, been vocal about this enough, but I, I, I'm just going to keep on saying it. I know I've told Jared this plenty of times, that I've heard so much news about Kenneth Walker. I love the transfer from when he went from Wake Forest to Michigan State, and all the news I kept hearing was this man's going to be a legit our first 1,000-yard back that we've had in a very, very long time. And I bought into the hype as soon as I read that, and that was back in like January. And I was sold. I was like, I believe it. This man was a top five touchdown, uh, a touchdown guy at Wake Forest in the nation. And I was like, I think that could translate given a better role, because they were running a, a bit of a, a different uh, style of system and offense at Wake Forest that just wasn't suited for Kenneth Walker. Now they're giving him a bell cow role where he can actually play make he's making himself known, and a lot of people, even some NFL scouts are starting to take notice. Now we can go to the quarterback with Peyton Thorne. That's a big surprise for me. I did not expect him to make this uh, type of jump this early to where now I have to look at the Michigan State QB, and I'm just like, you may actually have, you know, some legitimate value, not to say, like, maybe on the NFL level, but for uh, CFF, uh, he's hitting a lot of these receivers at, at some good spots to as well too now he has to work, work on a few things with his footwork and his progressions but I see a lot of promise for them uh him going forward and their receivers Jalen Reed great receiver uh showed a lot of promise that made, made a lot of big time catches uh down the field in the middle just on all three levels of that field so it was just great they have some other guys on the outside as well too that I'm forgetting they have some great backs behind like uh Simmons uh behind the Michigan State going forward shows a lot of promise. I'm excited for their programming for the future. They might even get a, even a bigger upset down the lot uh, down the road later on in the season. So, I, I just I just love watching Michigan State all season long. Never thought I'd be seeing that in 2021.
1: Alrighty, so now that Xavier's given every reason why he hates yes. the Spartans, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, nah. um, yeah, I there's nothing I can add to Michigan State. The Xavier hasn't already. The other thing I wanted to add from this game that. I have been calling is that Charleston Rambo.
0: I completely forgot. Goes but yeah, that's all you. off
1: from Miami that's all you. in this game for the tune of well over a couple hundred or a hundred yards. And I believe two, three touchdowns in this game. Like he went crazy in this game. There's like at least double digit receptions in this game. And if he keeps it up, this up, he's absolutely going to be somebody you want in your fantasy leagues i have been calling this for so long saying that once charleston and Derek king get going it's going to be a fantasy matchup you are going to want every single week and i am loving the fact that it is happening right here before my eyes so that's all i have to really say about this game other than the fact that yeah congratulations michigan state you absolutely annihilated miami uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here, and this isn't so much as the game itself, but more just something that happens in this game, and that was USC or Washington State at USC, and really the name here is Jackson Dart. Um, man, oh man, completely just revitalized this USC offense after Keaton Slovis gets hurt. Now, oh, again, anyway, it's, can
0: I make the joke? Can I make the joke? I saw this on Twitter. I forgot to, I wanted to shout out whoever ever made the tweet, but somebody was like, Keaton Slovis got Keaton Slovis. That's exactly how to describe this game. You get injured, uh, your starting quarterback gets injured and then you back up, your freshman, uh, freshman oh, backup, your freshman's backup comes yeah. yeah, yeah. In.
1: It, took, it, t- it took me a minute, but yeah, you're right. That's exactly how Keaton Slovis got the starting job in the
0: first place. Oh yeah. So hey, you never know. He could come to Georgia, even though I don't want him. It could happen.
1: (laughs) It could happen. I don't know. Jackson Dart looked incredible in this game, dude. I this like watching him, he's gonna be something special at USC, I believe. And I don't even I, I don't like saying stuff like that after one game, but man, this this offense just looked different under him. I was very, very happy watching them during this game. Um, and you could kind of tell that it looks like that they're a, they're happier to push the ball down the field with him a little bit more. And, again, I like what I saw out of him. What did you think, Xavier?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I'll give you your credit. I don't think you remember uh, – I don't know if you remember yourself saying this, but you said uh, don't be surprised <laughs> if Jackson Dart gets the starting job. Now, not for obviously these reasons, and, you know, lights it up. No, in the no spring, i hand, I, he bl- looked- I-
1: I think somebody had mentioned that, like, I, I basically said on along the long lines of like, uh, Slovis probably isn't QB one by the end of the year. Yeah, and I'm now just like,
0: it, obviously you had different like uh, reasonings for that because you thought maybe Dart's talent could you know overtake overcome. Slovis's job. Yeah, overcome Slovis's job and performance, but Slovis was injured. Dart came in, now he threw a couple of interceptions, but he came out and still threw for like three or four touchdowns in that game. He mm-hmm. obviously had a great connection with Drake London, their number one receiver now. And it just looked a lot like a really USC team. Now I want people I want you to uh, you know, reference that your tweet that you made about the future for USC, they get the right coach. Now I, I partially agree with you in some areas. Now I partially disagree with you in some, but I, I do think it's a legitimate argument that you can make. So if you don't mind sharing that with our lovely listeners. Oh, I, thought, I
1: thought you were gonna I thought you are gonna oh, nah, say nah, it. that's all you nah, nah, take nah. the credit. I basically said, like, again, just watching this game and everything, like, I'm like, USC is a legitimate playoff contender if they get this coaching hire right. There's too many great pieces on this team right now to where – like, the young pieces, I might add. Young pieces on this team to where if they get the right coach in there that can get them right every single game – Again, USC is a legitimate playoff contender within a year or two, easily, in my opinion. Yeah, as I they should you, be,
0: as they should yeah, be. Exactly. Like, you know, the return to prominence, like a lot of these schools, you know, of these old greats of like the Miami's, the Florida states, they, they all want to get back to that those great, those good old days of them, you know, dominating the cost football landscape and they just haven't been able to do it. And I think if anybody has a shot to be like, you know, you know, the Nebraska's of the world as well, too think usc probably has the best shot of returning to the old glory considering that the conference that they're in is the pac 12 the only obstacle you really have is just oregon and Mm -hmm. oregon's recruiting at a high level that's why i don't i probably don't agree with you about maybe getting back to the college football playoffs so much i think it is a possibility if you can recruit you know over i guess a a, a period of like four or five years and get the defense together and you know find another great quarterback and some more wide receivers but i think oregon is just going to be that big hurdle for a while but you know what? In the past few years, the Pac-12 always beats up on each other. So if you can have that consistency, a consistent Pac-12 team, mm-hmm. that, that can show some promise for a, a, a playoff berth, I will not lie. Now that I'm saying it a little bit more and thinking about it, yeah, might be on to something.
1: Yep. Like I said, I, I I like the future of USC. And that the, USC is not a team I typically root for or I'm, like, particularly attached to. Jackson Dart's quickly changing that for me. I just really like this team under him so far. Yeah. Um, last game we're going to talk about here. Again, this was just a wild one. Memphis upsets Mississippi State. I should say upset with big fat air quotes um, because there was a massive, massive, just screwed up call during this game where Calvin Austin returns a punt for a touchdown, but he only is able to do that because the referee on the field calls the play dead, which all the Mississippi State players believe he's correct. So they don't they stop the play. And then Calvin Austin just runs the ball back all the way. And they do count it on the scoreboard. And quite frankly, again, like the SEC has already already admitted they've messed it, They mess up the call. Um, this directly affected the fact that Memphis won the game because without that touchdown, Mississippi State wins this game. Uh, Granted, now you can't always assume that because again, you never know like exactly what happens after that. But even still, like you just take away the one touchdown, by being Mississippi State wins the game. But even still, like I've never, I've it's been a while since I've seen a a ref screw something up like that that badly. At least until that night when. The referees forced Penn State to punt on third down because that was pretty funny. That, that, uh, God, some bad officiating this weekend. But even still, that's mostly what I want to talk about this game. It was great to see Calvin Austin just go off in this game. Um, It looks like Mississippi State, we finally might have a consistent wide receiver there, Makai Polk. Not entirely sure. We'll see. But even still, that's my, I just wanted to rant about that call because it was so bogus.
0: Yeah, Um, I I picked Memphis in the upset. I I did. uh, I like their outside options. I think, you know what, Brendan Thomas, he may not have the greatest game, but looking at it, going against SEC defense, looked pretty good. And I Mm -hmm. like him. I can't wait till he gets back in the AAC play. Like, I really think he could, you know, be able to run between the tackles and, you know, explode for those big runs. Now, obviously, you're going against SEC defensive linemen, but once you're going against, you know, some teams like LSU and maybe even L.A. Tech, good AAC team to be able to stop the run. I think Brandon Thomas has just better talent to get past them. So I'm excited about that future Seth Henigan, I still like through, mm-hmm. I think, one interception and a touchdown, a touchdown as well. So it wasn't like the greatest of the game, but I still, you know, you're going to get to SEC defense and you came in there in an environment that probably wasn't made for you. And, you know, you're a freshman quarterback, kind of expecting a little bit more mistakes. Still look pretty mm-hmm. poison, uh, promising. So I'm excited for Memphis in the future. Um, yeah. Besides that, Calvin Austin looks great. Uh, probably want to see a little bit more from Javon Ivory down the line. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that will come, you know, more as he, he's getting used to this role as being the wide receiver too. But yeah, overall, I'm still excited. I have a lot of pieces of that Memphis offense on a, lot, a few of my rosters. So yeah, if if you still have some play, if Seth Hennigan and Brandon Thomas or Ivory still out there, I think you should take a, a flyer, especially on uh, yeah, Thomas, especially because I think he's a prolific and great running back.
1: All righty. So before we move on to our waiver wire winners for this week, I just want to remind everybody, please make sure that you are following us on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared. He is at CFF underscore Xavier. Uh, We like answering your questions online there and everything. DM us. We try to make as much time for you guys as we can. Make sure you're following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, both. Please make sure that you are subscribed on YouTube to make sure you are up to date with everything that we can provide. Mondays at 11 a.m., we will provide you with the weekly recap from this past week. The very next day, Tuesdays at 11 a.m., we provide you our week, our upcoming week previews. And then sometime during the week, we will provide you our King's Classic sit-start discussion for the week. Uh, very soon, I will be getting back my desktop. Hopefully, everything will be in order there and I can get you guys back. The awesome, wonderful graphics that you guys are used to for the show. Uh, in addition to that, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I got those reminders out while we were taking a little break here. And now we will move on to our waiver wire winners of the week. We're going a little long here. So I'm going to do this a little bit differently this week, where I'm going to go ahead and name the five waiver wires that we've picked, waiver wire winners at each position that we've named for this week. And then we're going to kind of discuss it. Uh, pick out which ones we want to go into further. So first we'll go with the quarterbacks. Uh, first one we have here is Kenny Pickett, who is currently owned on the quarterback from Pittsburgh, currently owned on 31% of rosters. We have Mr. Jackson Dart, owned on 11% of rosters, quarterback out of USC, who just started this past weekend. Quarterback Peyton Thorne, uh, quarterback from Michigan State, owned on 4% of rosters. Quarterback Austin Kendall, out of Louisiana tech owned on 13% of rosters and quarterback Jerry Bohannon out of Baylor on owned on 5% of rosters. So Xavier uh, pick a name or two out here that you really want to talk about out of these guys.
0: Mm, I don't know. This is tough. Uh, I really don't. I, I, I want to speak from experience about Kenny Pickett, but I feel like you've, you've done a lot more research on Kenny Pickett than I have. You've been on uh You've been on the can Pickett train for a little while longer than me, so I'll leave you that. But I guess I can talk a little bit about Jackson Dart and uh, Peyton Thorne. Uh, which, uh, it's going to be a little bit interesting to hear about Slovis's injury. I know it's a shoulder injury, and he's in a sling at the moment. So it looks like for the foreseeable future, it may be Jackson Dart. Now the interim head coach say, hey, we don't really know who's going to be out there. It might be uh, Miller Moss, but I think everybody in, in the consensus is going to be Jackson. So mm-hmm. with him being like 4%, all right, now eleven percent owned. And That's gonna skyrocket after uh, whenever waiver wires, uh, whenever other people waiver wires are uh been able to happen or go down. I can't think of the word. I can't think of words that go with uh, process. Yes, it's late, everybody. I'm tired, but it's okay. We can take you on because <laughs> this is college football, and we love college football. But yeah, it's definitely gonna shoot up. It's probably gonna get to like forty to fifty percent when the, all those things process because a lot of people are probably scrambling a lot, especially a lot of sleep, uh, Slovis, um owners. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think, yeah, if you're not a Slovis owner, or if you are a Slovis owner, yeah, you need to uh, prioritize having Dart as your number one. Because, yeah, with that offense, like we spoke on, uh, Jared spoke on, and I spoke on, and with Drake, London, and all those weapons that USC has, even if USC loses games, they're going to still be in a shootout. I think Jackson Dart gives them a lot, uh, a good chance of, you know, keeping them in games and possibly winning as well, so. Might as well take the starting USC quarterback, especially if he's going to be good as well, too, and you know gives uh, provides, uh, I guess, a different skill set than uh, Slovis. Because, you yeah, know, Dart uses his legs a lot more, you know, for a positive yardage than Slovis ever did in that mm-hmm. one game. Now, it is a one-game sample, but I like what I saw out of it. So, going forward, I would love Dart. Now, going to Peyton Thorne, Michigan State has proven that, hey – even though we have a great running back behind us, our quarterback is no slouch. Now, I I do find at times that he takes the sack. He's not like a completely mobile guy, but against Manning, he had a few good positive uh, runs for like, you know, mm-hmm. 11 or 12 yards and crucial plays and on crucial downs. And he makes the right throws. Uh, I never, you know, feel like Peyton Thorne is just a terrible quarterback and not like, you know, accuracy is one thing I will never, you know, slight Peyton Thorne on. Uh, you know, there may be a couple of, you know, no quarterback is perfect and go like 20 for 20, but, I think his completion percentage is very uh decent for where he's at now, and I think going forward with the receivers that he has i uh, why not especially with the Michigan state offense rolling like this and the competition they have in the next few games, I don't think they have anybody uh of um of that magnitude coming of any uh, type of stature and magnitude coming up. I think they have like a few Nebraskas and then uh, maybe like a Maryland. So these are all games Peyton Thorne can go off and throw for like maybe two or three touchdowns and get you about 25, 27 points.
1: Yeah, and like you said, you you saved uh, Kenny Pickett for me, and I I've liked Kenny Pickett. I've I um this entire off season I thought he was one of the most underrated quarterback prospects of the year because he has a great dual threat ability. He just provides you such a safe floor. I believe the lowest amount of points he scored this year. And Sanders scoring has been about twenty five points. Other than that, he's broken thirty twice so far. I believe he actually might have broken forty this past week against um, against God. Who do they who, who do they play this past week? And I'm bringing – I haven't Western Michigan. Western Michigan. That, uh, yeah, I believe he broke those, forty. A shootout. Uh, absolute shootout that game was, and people need to realize that the offense completely runs through Kenny Pickett. The running game for Pittsburgh is not something that they're relying on. So they're using his legs they're using his arms and so Kenny Pickett's a bigger part of the offense than ever before and every game they've been involved in has been a close one so Kenny Pickett will be in all four quarters in every single one of those if you are struggling at quarterback, yeah Pickett's not the sexiest pick in the world but you know who else isn't either Brandon Armstrong you know what you know who's saving fantasy teams right now Brandon Armstrong. Kenny Pickett is an option for you if you need somebody with some pretty good upside and a very safe floor. So I say Kenny Pickett should be one of your top quarterback waiver wire pickups this week if you're struggling at quarterback. Now, uh, let me review the five quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett, Jackson Dart, Peyton Thorne, Austin Kendall, and Jerry Bohannon are our five waiver wire QBs for the week. We're going to move on to running backs
0: here. Oh, so can I take this one? Absolutely. Go right ahead. All right, for our waiver wire winners at running back, we have Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, owned by thirty percent on fan tracks. Uh, then we have Rasheen Ali out of Marshall thirty two percent. Then we have abram Smith, thirty three percent. Where where's he come out of Jared? He is Baylor. Baylor. Oh man, we're t- oh, yeah, Baylor's looking pretty good, too, but I think once they hit you know some more big uh, twelve competition, maybe that'll go down. But we'll see There's strong promise uh Trishon Potts 39% people I thought we had this discussion already <laughs> no no <Trishon. laughs> no let, 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 let me let me hop in here for a sec
1: yo I literally didn't even look for Trishon Potts last week like when we were doing our waiver wire running faxes I just assumed that people picked him up but apparently he's still only owned in 39% yo he is Mohammed Ibrahim Again, basically. Not that, like, I think Ibrahim's more talented. He probably would have a better year. At this but the point.
0: workload. But the
1: workload is all on POTS. Grab POTS for crying out loud. Anyway, yeah. continue, Zaker.
0: All right, now we have Jalen Warren out of Oklahoma State at 7%. And then lastly, we have six. We have six more uh, running backs. We have Will Shipley out of Clemson, freshman running back, 26% ownership. So um, I guess – uh, I get. Uh, I guess I'll take i you know, I'll take a stab at two. I'll right. go with Sean Tucker and Will Shipley. Sean Tucker, if you've been with the Chasing Daddy podcast as long as we've started, I think we started what back in April, something uh, like that. March I think or it April. Was April.
1: March or April. Yes. March or April.
0: I think one of our first few videos we did a fancy, fancy CFF sleepers, and I, I said Sean Tucker. I like the upside that he had for Syracuse. And he was only a freshman at the time, and his classification, I think, is still – I mean, obviously the COVID year doesn't count, so I can still consider him a freshman, but he's a sophomore. The workload that he gets, he's getting about 20 to 30 uh, carries a game. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, he is going up against tougher competition coming up soon, so maybe the touchdowns and the yardage will go down. But I still like the production. I like these high-volume guys because if you're getting 20 to 30 touches – I like the odds of you breaking off for maybe a few big ones or just, you know, maybe one big one. And then if you get a touchdown, obviously, if you're the lead back and the only back for Syracuse, honestly, a uh, notability, then you're probably going to get that goal line carry. So I love Sean Tucker going forward. I'm happy to see that he has 30 percent. I would like to see it go higher if people, you know, listen to our podcast and take our advice, because I think he's that great of a back. Because this past weekend, he had about, what, five touchdowns and God, 50 points in –
1: ridiculous amount of points yeah it
0: was like it was like 50 points in standard scoring and it was just it was crazy so I, I love Sean Tucker I'm happy that he's finally you know getting the uh, the uh, recognition that he deserves then I'll go with Will Shipley uh, the running back that we talked about uh, earlier for Georgia Tech you know I mentioned that he was a freshman I know that he has the versatility to catch up the backfield not saying he's Travis Etienne but he has a similar skill set you know he's still a freshman you know not all, every freshman is going to be great and have that breakout game, like a Trevion Henderson, but hey, going forward, if Chris Clemson's offense doesn't get it together, Will Shipley's probably going to have, they're going to have to rely on Will Shipley in that run game, and if he's getting (laughs) 20 carries against Georgia Tech, and they struggle against NC State next week, I don't, I I wouldn't be shocked if Will Shipley gets 20 to 30 carries. Now, probably will be shocked if it is 30, but 20 to 25, I think is a good sweet spot for Shipley going forward, and even getting some receiving work as well, too. He's going to get a lot of touches in that offense going forward, so yeah. I, I love those two backs going, um, so, yeah, go pick them up on the wire Anybody you want to touch on? Jared? Uh, I did want to sh- touch Rasheed? one thing
1: on with uh, sh- Sean Tucker. Like, obviously, I don't think anybody's expecting him to score 50 points every single week. But one thing I think a little bit of context for this past week, that I think people need to realize is uh, Tosh Harris was not playing for Syracuse. And thus, basically, the entire Syracuse passing game just poof, gone.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Another so they had
0: in the, uh, sleepers.
1: You did. Early on in the year. Uh, so the, so they, they were kind of forced to rely on Sean Tucker this past week. Now, granted they were playing some F- FCS school. I don't even remember what it was. Um, and so, yeah, I, Sean Tucker, I say pump the brakes just a little bit, but even still absolutely worth picking up in your waiver wire. Cause he's going to get plenty of work. Um, I already said my piece about Trey Sean Plas Cause why the guys, why the hell is he still available in 61% of leagues? He's not available in any league I'm in. I can tell you that much right now because he's uh, gone off the waiver wire already. Um, The other person I want to talk about here is Jalen Warren out of Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State's running back room is always just an enigma to try to figure out every single year. And what usually ends up happening is you find that Mike Gundy will find his one guy that he'll ride for several games at a time. So I'm not saying Jalen Warren... Jalen Warren is a guy to pick up for the rest of the season but I can guarantee you that now that Mike Gundy has kind of found his guy he's going to be riding him for at least the next couple of games and so I think Jalen Warren is absolutely going to be worth picking up for just a couple of weeks
0: here. And I, I guess I'll give a little bit more context to Sean Tucker. He has scored in all his games so far, and, and two of the games he had over 100 yards. Not only against the Rutgers game where they lost, he only had 50-something yards. But he's getting receiving work as well, too. So I do like that versatility in these backs. So I, I may, maybe uh, going forward, it just, it just if you just look at Syracuse's schedule, look at the matchups, and if you find them favorable for Sean Tucker, yeah, mm-hmm. go out and get Sean Tucker and have him on your bench and throw him in for those matchups.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Uh, all right, we'll go ahead and move. Oh, first of all, I'll recap our running backs for this week. Uh, we got Sean Tucker, uh, Rasheen Ali out of Marshall. We got Abram Smith out of Baylor. We got Treshawn Potts out of Minnesota. We got Jalen Warren out of Oklahoma State, and we got Will Shipley out of Clemson. So now we'll move on to our wide receivers. I'll go through those real quick. Um, first, we have Jaden Reed at 41 percent owned he is the wide receiver out of michigan state again cheating a little bit i usually go for under 40 percent but again it's just close enough and he really should be owned on a whole lot more i think that michigan state passing game is good enough for us to realize that you want the wide receiver one for them this year and Jalen reed Jaden reed is that guy Uh, next wide receiver we have up today is nathaniel dell out of houston uh, we have Jonathan Mingo out of Old Miss. Uh, Ja'Cory Sullivan out of Central Michigan back on the waiver wire list because I believe he was over 40% last week, but now he's dropped under again because I don't even know why. Actually, he did pretty well last week. Um, and he got Stanley Berryhill out of Arizona, and he got Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia. So, Xavier, pick one or two guys that you are really, really happy about this week
0: uh obviously uh Michigan State Jaden Reed I love what I'm seeing out of that just the Michigan staff feel like this has been a Michigan State just rant for me or a rave I forgot I forgot how those go what's the positive one that's a rave. rave 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 is very positive yeah, yeah. rant. I don't know I, I like both of those words though I feel like you can use them in a positive connotation but obviously not definition I mean,
1: you are ranting and raving
0: I am. I am ranting and raving, and especially we're going to get ranting later when we find our disappointments. But yeah, Jaden Reed, a great wide receiver, number one option for uh, Peyton Thorne so far. Um, But I am uh, intrigued by um, Wicks out of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Virginia, right? Uh, Yeah, Virginia. Brandon Armstrong seems to be a number one receiver. And honestly, with Brent Armstrong not using his legs so much this year, I mean, he's showing a lot of great accuracy with his arm. He's putting up big numbers, like three, uh, two, three, 400-yard games, and which just seems to be that number one guy for him, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm glad, because I remember uh, when we first started out with Fantasy, I remember I took a, a flyer out under Sean Henry, the transfer that was a former four- or five-star wide receiver coming out of high school, and I thought, hey, maybe that would be the guy, but now it feels like it's got Tavion Wicks and he only owned by 3%. So why not take a chance with the Virginia offense moving uh, moving some things and moving some shaking things in the ACC, especially with the ACC being so unstable as it is now. And feels like, you know, anybody can put up points on anybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's safe. Like, I don't think there's really a defense that's really shutting down anybody this season. Maybe Pittsburgh, if you want to count that. But uh, You saw what they just did at, or what that's, Western that's Michigan that's, just did. But that was a good offense as well too. So we'll we'll see.
1: Uh, yeah. So you did you did Wicks you did Reed. I'm gonna throw in here, uh, Nathaniel Dell. Um, now granted, Clayton Tune goes down, but he, so you're looking at possible a uh, shift there in wide receiver prioritization. But even so, Clayton Tune goes down. Dell still has a hell of a game. He's gonna be the wide receiver one still moving forward. Um, I think that. Houston's going to be a team that's going to score a ton, and you're going to want the wide receiver one on that offense. You want the wide receiver one in the Dana Holder, Holderson offense. So Nathaniel Dell absolutely should be owned by more than 21% of leagues. The other t- name I'm going to name here is Jonathan Mingo out of Old Miss. Yeah, I, I have going about that. I have been on the record several times talking about like, oh, I'm not sure who's going to be the wide receiver that pops off for Ole Miss this week. And I still believe that. I still believe that you're going to see different wide receiver be the number one wide receiver every single week. But, y'all, it's clear at this point. There's room for more than one wide fantasy-relevant wide receiver in this Ole Miss offense. Hell, there's room for three.
0: Ooh, (laughs) I wouldn't go that far.
1: At any given week, you can see – Xavier, don't tell me you can't see almost any given week the possibility of three hundred yard receivers on this team.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, the possibility. I'm,
1: like, I'm not saying I guarantee. The possibility.
0: Like, the possibility. I. Ooh. I'm not really liking what I'm seeing so much from Braylon Sanders of getting hundred yards. Like I, I feel like if uh, Matt Corral just you know if they're going against an easy opponent, then yeah, maybe I could see it. But I still like the Ontario Mingo as those those number one and number two. Uh, those guys can get even yards still. Like we, we're but seeing I mean,
1: Mingo get, we're we're seeing Mingo get consistent work each and every week, and so yeah, there's yeah. no reason not to. Just you know, if you're struggling at receiver, just plug in an old Miss receiver. They're more than likely going to get you plenty of yards and at least a touchdown. That yeah. there's so many scoring opportunities coming out of that offense. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, but I, I still like Drummond a lot. I feel like the way they're using him, it's just more of like they, they like Drummond a little bit more because the way he scored, he he got a rushing touchdown, which was really great. Ooh. So I was like, all right, you're getting past 100-yard games, rushing touchdowns. They really like you. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Mingo did, definitely had the better receiver day uh, last week, over 100 yards, uh, touchdown or two. So it was great for him.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I'll go ahead and cover our wide receivers. We've got Jaden Reed. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, Jonathan Mingo, Jacory Sullivan, Stanley Berryhill, Dontavian Wicks, and again, if you're listening, and there's a there's a guy or two here that like we kind of skipped over because we are kind of running a little long here, so we are going to try we're trying to shorten it down just a little bit. Um, But if there's a guy here that you want a question about, again, don't be afraid to just send us a DM on Twitter. I'm in the CFF site Discord if you ever want to ask me a question there. Um, Plenty of plenty of ways to reach us. Comment down, on, down below on YouTube. We like answering questions there as well. Uh, last oh, yeah. but not least, we have our waiver Wire winners for tight ends. And we're going to spend almost no time here because these are just – I basically have four guys here that it's the same reasoning I gave weeks before. But it's Lucas Kroll out of Pittsburgh, Tyreek James out of Tulane, Jelani Woods out of Virginia, and Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Y'all, those are your four options if you're struggling at tight end. Those are good, consistent options. I got nothing else for you there.
0: Yeah, Sam Laporta, Iowa tight end. You know what they produce out of there, so you may get a good week. But mm-hmm. there's nothing too crazy like the top guys, even though all the top guys didn't have so much of a great week. And that's moving on to what we have, I guess, lastly is our mm-hmm. hearing of grievances, our big disappointments for the weeks. And we have about nine guys. Mm-hmm. I'll name them off, and then uh, me and Jira will go over a few that really disappointed us. Uh, first, we have Jaquarius, uh, Jaquavius Marks out of Mississippi State. Then we have Michael Meyer out of uh, Notre Dame, tight end. Then we have Cole Turner, Nevada, tight end. Chris Rodriguez, running back out of Kentucky. Deshawn Corbin, Florida State, running back. Reese White, Coastal Carolina, running back. Jaden Daniels, Arizona State QB. John Mechie, wide receiver for Alabama. And Roderick Burns, wide receiver for North Texas. So, Jared. Who were some of your big, biggest disappointments this weekend?
1: I, I feel like my my angst with John Mechie is more just geared towards the fact that Bama just can't get a consistent receiver going. Because I yeah. have shares of Jameson Williams. I have shares of John Mechie. I even have shares of Slade Bolden. Like, they just can't get a single guy going every single week that is just like that clear number one, and it's driving me nuts. Yeah. Um, in addition – I'm off the Jaden Daniels train. I know he's one of your guys, but there's just not like he's got the good groundwork and everything. But like, I don't know. It's just not there. It's not there. Yeah, I'm dropping him with all my leagues.
0: He's losing a little bit of his luster. I'm gonna say that he doesn't really have the receivers for him that usually like work. Because in the past he had an Ayuk, a Darby, and Nikhil Harry. I'm not Mm going to say that those guys carry Jaden Daniels. I think Jaden Daniels still has the talent, but I think the receivers that he has now are still very, very young and not used to this college football environment. So I won't give too much. uh, I won't slight Jaden Daniels too much, but I am not impressed with what I've seen so much this season. Now he can come back and, you know, make a resurgence. You know, if he wants to have another upset, it is the pac 12. You never know what's going to happen after dark. So you never really know, but yeah, I, I understand why, but I will say, um, I guess some of my disappointments. I really I'll hit on three, but I'll go. I'll combine two: Michael myer and Cole Turner, two top tight ends. Honestly, they could be like you know going into the, into the season. Cole Turner was just, number just one wrap tight end. up
1: like most top tight ends this weekend. Dude. Yeah, like uh,
0: Greg Dolchich. Uh, who else? Did, did Dylan Widemeyer even have a good day? I don't even know.
1: I do I'll, I'll be honest. I dropped Widemeyer in the one league I had him in because they just wouldn't get work. Um, yeah, and also Trey, Trey Barry. Trey Barry had a yeah. goose egg. Uh, uh, what about the bride. Yeah. Payne Durham had only like three points. Like it was a rough, rough day for the top tight ends.
0: Yeah. Tight ends just did not get used today. I don't know. Maybe we have to wait for national tight end day. You know how the NFL does it. But I really want tight ends to get more work, especially up at Notre Dame. Michael Meyer was like the focal point for that. It re- uh, was probably that bright spot for uh, Jack Cohen at re- uh for a receiving option. But he seemed mm-hmm. to find some other guys too. Which I'm happy for, but also I want Michael Meyer to get some work back because I've we've seen the the potential and the talent that he has. Might as well just use him. I don't want him just to be, you know, using the blocks. So, absolutely. But I, I will. I talk. I'll talk about probably my biggest, biggest uh, disappointment this weekend. Uh, I said biggest. Uh, whatever. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, <laughs> Kentucky. Kentucky. <laughs> Y'all I'm get back. we're getting tired. Yeah, I said biggest. Oh God. But uh, yeah, Chris Rodriguez, running back for Kentucky, had a great day against Mizzou. He had like three touchdowns on the ground and two receiving Xavier. touchdowns. It was something.
1: Xavier, he didn't have a good day. He was the running back one last week.
0: Yeah, and I, I was like, okay, it's no brainer. It's Chattanooga. It's Chattanooga. I wasn't expecting like you know another five touchdown or four touchdown game, but I was like, all right, he'll get some work, hundred yards, maybe a touchdown, and I'm fine. Just let me get out of it. Let me have a nice little day out of my fantasy and walk out clean. No, but mm-hmm. that the offense looked terrible. I really wish I could just berate the entire offense. Like the amount of hype that Will Levis was getting going into, uh, you know, finally clicking with that Kentucky offense, where they were like, "Oh man, he might be uh, working his way into." NFL draft maybe going up some boards and some rounds and I was like, look that. Oh no, that that
1: got way out of hand way too quickly. Yeah,
0: I was like, look, I, I'm happy that Kentucky is showing a different like style of play than you know ground and pound, even though that doesn't spell well for Chris Rodriguez. But I like what they were using him last week, where I was like, hey, he's still you know hitting the ground hard and still getting, and now he's going to receiving work. So mm-hmm. use that. But against Chattanooga, they just kept trying to hit. Wandale Robinson and uh, Ali a lot. And I'm just like – and then they wanted to use uh, Smoke as well too. And I'm just like, I don't – use your best player. Give him the uh, the carries that he needs to be successful. Mm-hmm. And they barely escaped that game where Chattanooga kept them on their heels and they were slowly creeping back with field goals. And then they got a touchdown. And then Will Levis had to go hero ball and flex their SEC superiority. But it was an <laughs> ugly win. I was very disappointed. And I, I – I'm really concerned because even I, I made the drastic decision to sit Chris Rodriguez for next week. Now I will probably go back and contemplate that and be like, Hey, it's just one bad week. Let's put our guy back in. But I was very, very Who are sad they playing this admit, week? it's a good question. I think they're playing an SEC opponent too. It might be, eh, I'm not going to say Mississippi state for sure. But it could be
1: possible. They were saving
0: him for their matchup th- this week. They're playing South Carolina. So. Hmm. Considering what they did to Georgia this past weekend in the run game, I'm not going to say I'm not going to start him, but it's its going to be considered uh, – I'm going to have to put it under some uh, some attention and say, hey, maybe I don't start you because I have some better backs. Nah, I th- I, if I were you, I'd start them. I probably will, but I'm facing you next week, so that's, a, that's your pick, your poison.
1: You know what, I – Man, I I I am so broken when it comes to facing you in home leagues.
0: I don't know. You're scary now. You have Bailey Zapp and uh, see, but okay.
1: All right, this is how this podcast is gonna end, y'all. Yeah. It doesn't matter how scary my teams are. It doesn't matter how bad. I literally doubled. Like our again, our our league is stacked. I literally doubled my opponent this weekend. I won like two sixty to one thirty. That does not matter. I'm going to score like 130 points next week because either <laughs> I've just psyched myself out or that's just my luck. And that always happens when I face Xavier. I don't understand it. It is some serious level of CFF voodoo that goes on with that kind of stuff. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. So hopefully this weekend will be this only the second time that I think I think I still only have one win against you.
0: You do. You do.
1: Like it, it's been it's, like two or three seasons now. <laughs> it's it's been a rough time for me, y'all. It's been really rough when it comes to faith. Because again, everybody else, I'm fine. I'm fine.
0: I'm fine. Yeah.
1: For some reason, Xavier is my demon. So
0: that's we what all we're gonna have, what'd you say? We all have them. I finally beat mine in John last week. I was like, please, God, don't let me lose. I forgot you that okay. No, that's the
1: other thing, y'all. <laughs> I like Xavier will lose to everybody else in the league. But as soon as he faces me, for some reason, his team just finds the juice. It makes no sense. I will destroy everybody. He'll lose to everybody. But it's like, as soon as I face him, it got, what was it? God, It, it was like Ole Miss and Bama a couple of years ago and everything where it's just like, no matter what, Bama, or Ole Miss is going to find a way to beat Bama for some reason for like two or three years in a row there. It was weird yeah anyway i'm getting on a massive rant way too long there y'all thank you guys so much for listening tonight like i said earlier please make sure you're following us on twitter at cff underscore jared and he is at cff underscore xavier please make sure you're following us on spotify and apple Podcasts. please leave those five star reviews or any star reviews really that you really want to leave because i enjoy reading them all regardless Uh, If you have any uh, tips for the show or anything like that, like things to make it better, please leave it down in the comments below on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe there as well. Hit that notification bell. All that good jazz. You guys know what you're doing over there. Um, I believe that's about it. I think I hit all all of our platforms. Xavier, anything else you want to add in here?
0: Nope. Thanks for listening. Like Jared said, uh, we're looking forward to week three. We'll have that preview uh, coming soon. Week four. Week four. Oh God. See, that's the, that's how late it is. It's 12 and we're going to have to re- either record in the morning or tomorrow. So either okay, way,
1: we, we are not recording the, the preview tonight. <laughs> so, Alrighty, y'all appreciate y'all listening in. It's been an awesome week of college football. We're excited about next weekend. We're excited to bring you the content later this week with our week four preview and also our Kings class to start discussion. Make sure you listen to that. Until then,
0: see you guys and go win your leagues.